Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Super Deluxe Gamescast. It's Thursday, uh, January nineteenth. Um, I'll go and say if you're not, if you weren't already aware, we are a gaming collective, uh, which is a fancy way of saying podcast focused on gaming and nerd culture. So if this is your first time here, we greatly appreciate you. And we, if hope your first we... time here is the game of the year show, you're hey. in for some shit. Hey, I never. Hey, you know what? You never know. Uh, I hope everybody's doing okay tonight. I hope everybody in this panel is doing okay tonight. I hope everybody listening is doing okay. And just like Derek said, tonight we are going to be talking about our games of the year and our runners-up for 2022. Um, I also, real quick, want to um, want to just uh, kind of broadcast that the other week we published our interview with. Um, uh, ben Starr, who is the voice of Clive Rossfield in Final Fantasy 16, you can find that on our YouTube channel. Uh, and Ben is just an awesome person. So yeah, Ben's a good dude. It was a good interview. Please just time. Please. So so uh, Finn, to answer your question in the Discord chat, I'm sure Britt will be along here momentarily. She's in the call. She's just got to like. Yeah. She's just yeah, gonna yeah. hop in. Britt, so, Britt is as always going to be uh, approximately five minutes late. She's going to be. She's she's going to be fashionably late. Yeah. I think we um, should just um, spoil it already. Look, the Quiet Man for the fourth year in a row <laughs> is SCGC's. We are you're running <laughs> game of <laughs> game of that's it. Actually, that's it. actually, game my the, game of the year for 2022 the millennium is Mighty Number no. Nine. <laughs> <laughs> Mighty Number no. Nine, the Vita Port. Yeah. It, <laughs> hey man. Hey hey hey. That yeah, anyone shit, who hates anyone who hates that game is an anime fan on prom night. All right. That like, shit is still coming. It's still coming. <laughs> Net, they haven't officially canceled it. They have not canceled that shit. And is known for for delivering on things, right? Yeah, That's whole thing. Yeah, for sure. That shit's gonna come out at some point. Uh, Derek, so here's, do you want to? Yeah, I was gonna say, do you want to break down everybody how this is gonna go tonight? Yeah. So here's what we're gonna do. Um, we have already collected, and uh, Finn has made a set of graphics for each person that detail their game of the year, their runner up, and if they had any, uh, up to three honorable mentions. What we are going to do, we've already collected, done the stats, scientists have broken down the categories, and we are going to start by talking about our games of the year. Uh, we have a few games that were uh, selected by one person each. We have one game that was mentioned multiple times in other people's you know, honorable mentions or runners-up, and then we have one game that multiple people selected as their game of the year. So we're going to start one small, work our way up. Well, there's, there could be a couple of different things. Don't be a fucking poopy pants. Hmm. Um, we're going to work our way up and talk about um, each of those games. And then based on the time we have left in tonight's show, we're going to give each person, each of the seven of us, again, Britt Brit will be here, um, a chance to talk a little bit about their runner-up and their honorable mentions and, and why they picked what they did. Um, yes, Rar. Add don't be a fucking poopy pants to the Discord rules. If you're not in the Discord, there's a link to the Discord. Oh, join wow, it. it's like magic technology's I'm wild. Really, I'm, I'm almost good at this shit. Who could have thought? Uh, I'm not. Um, now, I guess without further ado, uh, and I think it's okay to get started without Brit if we start on some of the smaller ones um, because she she lands in the one one of a couple people who voted for a specific game that will be fair for last. though Brit's runner up is definitely one of the lesser chosen games so. yes, yes I would say so yeah Brit had Brit, not... yeah we'll, we'll get to it we'll yeah, get to we'll it get to we're it. not we'll we're not saying to, we'll names get... we're not spoiling shit 
This isn't. We're not spoiling your favorite movie Did on I this podcast. Snitches, snitches get stitches, motherfucker. Yeah. John's favorite game was. You have course. to drive to Kentucky to stab me, though. So. You think I won't? You've been here, so. That's true. John's got shooters in every corner. What are you talking about, dude? <laughs> I've got. I'm, Fucking I, I've already, I've already got, got men on men. the street. I've on every street, positions on on the on every roof surrounding your home. <laughs> all I have to do is uh, Derek. All I have to do is is say the word, give the order. What's the what's the yeah. uh, the 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 what is it? What do you call it? The venture um, candidate thing. What's the word that you have to say? It's like some Final Fantasy Derek, reference. Derek, like, Derek's gonna walk out of his house tomorrow morning, and he's gonna he's gonna step out. He's gonna breathe in that more. Ah, oh, oh, it's not that nice, cold, crisp air. And then he's gonna get a ring on his phone. And he's going to see that it's me and he's going to pick it up and he's going to swipe, you know, swipe the answer. And he's going to say, hey, bud, what's going on? Like he always does when I call. And I'm just going to say, <laughs> I'm just going to say green light and hang up the phone. <laughs> <laughs> and after that, after that, who knows what happens? Yeah. Oh, All right. We're communicating <laughs> with Brett. <laughs> communicating. That's a whole right. lot of uh, things to say to disguise from the fact that, uh, Destroy All Humans was your game of 2022. <laughs> well, with a runner-up being Garfield the, uh, Lasagna Party. It's the it's the nihilist. Oh, is that a real game? We, yes, it is. Yeah, it's it a Garfield my, Mario Party clone. On my 25th birthday, it came out. Oh we should have bought God. it and played it. All right, played- all right, all right. Who's going first, motherfuckers? Let's like, let's who- start. I want to start uh, with Jeff's game of the year pick, which mm. is a game that technically came mm. out late last year. Well, last year, late 2021, I believe, but it got its PlayStation port in 2022. So I'm going to fucking credit. count he gets it. Credit. He gets I credit. fucking count it. So, Jeff, why don't you start us off? We'll, we'll go with that. Yeah, sure. It's the <laughs> yeah. same. It resets for everybody. Are you going to bring up his graphic? No, we're going to save that stuff for the end. Oh, for the end. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So my game of the year for for 2022, it's you know, it, we usually do the games we played, not necessarily the release here, which is what Derek's alluding to. So I didn't play this when it came out. Um, it's a, a small little game called Unpacking uh, that I played on Xbox. And um, it's a hard game to talk about because I think everyone would probably look at it and think what I thought, like, oh, this looks like a cute little distraction. Uh, it's charming. It's got a nice art style. It's got really good music. Um, it'll kill some time, and I'll just take things out of boxes and put them on shelves. Uh, but I think the the hard thing to really illustrate is how uniquely and how well it tells a really, really great story. Yes. So to do that, I have two two boxes here. Um, oh, interesting. Okay, cool. Yo, Jeff going that extra this fucking mile. Jeff is, Jeff is, this is MLG shit right here, Jeff. Oh my God, let's that. fucking well, go, buddy. MLG I'm going to describe them for, for anyone who's listening as well. And I'll get through this very quickly, so you don't need to worry. I'm not going to take half an hour here. So I want you to just imagine I've got two boxes here. One of them would be something I would pack if I was moving when I was 10 years old. And the other one might be something I pack this year when I'm moving. Right. So uh, types of things. It's amazing how much you can learn from just going through someone's possessions and you'd be surprised. Right. So, uh, you know, I've got Ferris Bueller's Day Off here. So you get a little bit of insight into my movie chase. Uh, I've got a postcard from Ottawa, which, uh, you know, might indicate either I visited Canada or I'm from Canada. Which is uh, had to give a shout out on the podcast. We've got a, a original black label copy of Final Fantasy VII for the PlayStation. Oh yeah, Final oh, yeah. Fantasy VII black eight label minutes. bros. You know, you you might think this person's a gamer. You might think they're a gamer. <laughs> and, 
Der- I'm, um, I'm just glad that Derek remembered to mark the time. But I've, I've also yeah. got a uh, a soccer trophy here and some soccer medals. Uh, you know, I've got a graduation pamphlet from 2005, so you can kind of get an idea how old I am when I finished high school. Uh, I don't think this has ever been seen before. Uh, this is a picture of me at the skate park when I was Hell playing. yeah, man. Hell yes. yeah. So Hell oh, it's the zero yes. skater. It's the zero skater. <laughs> uh, but are you wearing Jinkos? And a uh, this is a copy of a video I made called Solid Gear in no way uh, a take on Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> yes. Please, please, can we play that for an after hours? Uh, I do not have a VHS, but I'll get um, you one. I so, will. Pop so, John you know, wants to see that tape. So what can you infer from this, right? Like, you know, I, I play a lot of sports. Um, you can get an idea into my taste in movies. Uh, you can get an idea how old I am. You know, obviously I, I'm making homemade videos with friends. There's a little bit of the creative side there. Uh, I've got a cat toy here, so perhaps I own a cat, right? So, I mean, perhaps so I, I own a cat. Who that's knows? interesting on its own, right? To take these things apart and get a peek into someone's life. But what's really interesting is what this game does is you follow the person through their life and unpack different boxes at different stages in their life. So, what's actually the most interesting is how things change. So, um, you know, in the hey, box Brent. when I was younger, in the box when I was younger, I had a cat toy, but. In this box now, um, this is a uh, paw print of our cat that passed away, right? And that and that's fine. But look at the change, um, the change in the tone, the change in the emotions from, oh, this person's got a cute cat to, oh, my God, I got to put find a place to put the little memory of them up on a shelf, right? Um, it's just a picture, me and my wife getting married. Like, that's a big life change. Um, but the other interesting here, so I've got another video game, uh, an Elder Scrolls collection. So some things stay the same throughout your life, right? Sometimes you keep uh, you keep the same hobbies, you keep doing the same stuff. I'm still playing games now uh, that I was when I was 10. Uh, but other things change. Like I've got, you know, I have just pulled out some soccer trophies and stuff there. I don't have any of those anymore. What I have is a resistance band and some compression gloves and a list of physio exercises. <laughs> because... Life catches up with you, right? Things are different when you're 35. Than, than Life finds a way. Uh, I, I can't skateboard anymore because my ankle's destroyed. Um, you know, I'm sorry I've about got, that, Jeff, uh, but I, I was paid to do it. Anti-anxiety medication, right? Things, <laughs> things change. Can I, can I just interrupt? Can we discuss what's happening right now? Yeah, we're talking, about into, the game, yeah we're talking about like, the game unpacking. I figured, but like, it just, I don't know. You came in not, Jeff is that Jeff is actually show and tell time. He's selling the game unpacking in the best way possible. You guys fucked up. You should have just said that he got a mysterious package in the mail and (laughs) share it with us. I didn't see you pipe in. Yeah, John. Because I like to let the mystery just the guys. Yeah, you're you're missing the the point. Anyway, there's a lot of depth to this. You could say there's a lot to unpack here. God damn it. I like that one, Finn. I'm gonna asshole. I'm gonna back you up on that one. All right, Jeff, please continue. No, that's all right. So I mean that's basically it. I just, you know, and this is just two boxes. This is just two boxes. The game, you know, has like seven, I think seven or eight different years throughout the main character's life. And some of the later levels, there's like there's like 50 or 60 boxes. Um, but just imagine how much you can infer and how much you can learn about someone from that and just uh the, like i said the way it tells the story the things you can infer from not only what's in the box but the changes from year to year the things that stay the same the things that go away and the things that return uh you know there's little things like you can see they pick up hobbies um you know and a lot of the items are very visible like recognizable so there's like 
you know, like a, a walking cane and, and things like that. Um, and then some of the, one of the fun things is like the movies they like, there's a, a Wii and a GameCube that they keep their entire life and just little things like that. And it's just such a, uh, it's just such a wonderful little story. And right when you're almost getting tired of the gameplay loop, it ends. It's just perfectly paced. It's the perfect length. Um, and it's, like I said, this is the best way I could think to describe it, but even this isn't going to do it justice. So if you have, uh, any interest in a different type of narrative, I really would recommend people check this one out. Damn yeah. it, Jeff. How are you so fucking wholesome? That's a good how? pick. Like, I loved I loved unpacking. It was I like the way that it told its story. I like the story about the the main character that it told solely through their possessions over the years. Um, and and like the limitations and the places that they lived. Um, yeah, it's it's a good pick. Uh, I can't recommend it highly enough. Jeff, can I ask what you played it on? I played it on Xbox. Because I, I was going to say, like, like I imagine this would be an especially comfy game on the Switch or something, or like the Steam Deck. Yeah, I think uh, I think I've read a lot of people are frustrated with the controller, uh, which makes it like you're you're dragging and, and moving things around. Oh, very, so it's a drag and drop. It's a yeah. It's, it's like okay. you take it I out can of the box, how, yeah. pop it on a shelf, and stuff like that. So I mean, I had no problem with it. If you're patient, it's fine. But um, you know, I. If people are fine with a mouse and keyboard, PC is probably the way to play it. But I, um, I think it's available on all systems now, pretty much. I believe. So. I, be, I believe. I believe so. Switch would be a very. I've been wanting to. to when I first saw the trailer for it, I was like, "Oh, that's absolutely a Britney game." Yeah, it is. It is for sure. Uh, John, let's go to you next. Uh, why don't you tell us about your game of the year pick? Okay, sure, no problem. Uh, my game of the year is Chained Echoes, um, which is late a contender for game of the year too. Very late contender, snuck in there uh, at the very end. Now, I want to be very clear about something. Chained Echoes is not my favorite game of the year. Uh, my favorite game of the year is my runner-up, but I am giving Chained Echoes my 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 spot for game of the year because of what it set out to accomplish, and how much of it it actually did accomplish. Chained Echoes is a brilliant little um, Super Nintendo-style JRPG with a with that wears the DNA of games that came before it on its sleeve. There's a lot of Xenogears. Um, there's a lot of Chrono Trigger. There's a lot of Final Fantasy IX and Final Fantasy XII. Um, and there are a lot of there are there's 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 a lot of story beats. There are some character designs that are very similar, especially to twelve. Derek, you know what I'm talking about. Yep. Um, like like the lizards, like the lizard people might as well be the uh the bonga from uh from Final Fantasy twelve. They look the, a lot like them too. Yeah. Give me that C as a playable race in twelve. I mean, the 14. C race from Final Fantasy twelve is. I mean, there's a race of I don't can't remember what they're called in the game, but they're very clearly based off them. Um, and the, the game does crib a lot from what came before it, but it executes it all in a way that is a just an, an absolute delight to behold. Um, the game itself is, it, I mean, it's a straight up 2D beautiful, it's one of the most beautiful pixel art games I've ever played. Uh, and you know, Derek and I have mentioned this at length, the way that those um, those backgrounds uh, are are drawn and scroll with character movement give the game a sense of scale that that is is it's just deceptively large when you're talking about like a 2D you know you know uh, pixel based game it's it's really incredible the way they did that. Um, <clears throat> the most impressive thing about Chain Echoes is that aside from the music, this was mostly done by one guy, uh, Matthias Lindy. 
Uh, he is a German indie game developer, and he he painstakingly put together Chained Echoes over the course of seven years. Um, he worked on this. He worked on this fucking thing for seven years. Um, two years into it, he started a Kickstarter, right? And it, like, I think like we've had a lot of horror stories on Kickstarter, right? Like, there've been a lot of games that either came out really bad or just never came out at all. Um, I feel like Kickstarter has been a, a, an extremely mixed bag when it comes to games. Chain Echoes is by far the greatest, not just the greatest Kickstarter game, um, but it is the greatest indie RPG I have ever played. Um, and if it was, if this game, obviously bound by the limitations of, of 1995, let's say, if this game had come out between Final Fantasy VI and Chrono Trigger, for example, in 1995 or, you know, <laughs> Somewhere in that time period, it would be remembered alongside those two games as one of the greats. That's how good this game is. Yeah. Um, it uh, there are some there are some hallmarks of the fact that this is a essentially a, a one person effort. There's some weird spellings. There's some there's some flat out spelling errors. Some of the writing is a little bit wonky. Um, I don't feel like the balancing in the game is consistent all the way through. I feel like That's, there are some... if you love old JRPGs yeah. though, like you're used to that. So, but 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 there there are some like especially near the end of the game, there are some pretty inconsistent. There's some pretty wild spikes in difficulty compared to compared to the the journey to get to where you're going. Yeah. Um, you know, like you'll you'll blaze your way through a dungeon, you're like oh this is nothing, and then you will literally hit a brick wall of a boss that stops you for about two hours. But having said that, this game is also has a lot of cool accessibility options. You can lower the difficulty. You can lower the aggressiveness of enemies. Um, you can increase the size of the text. You can you can do all kinds of stuff. Like I I don't have all of them in the. It's nice to have a bunch of different like modular difficulty right. options in something like a what is intended to be a JRPG. Right. Um, exactly. And it's stuff I'd um, like to see more of. Also, now, the best part is it's on Game Pass, so. If you want to give it a shot, yeah, it is on Game Pass. Yeah, it's on Game Pass. We did a full review of it recently uh, because it's a very recent release. I feel like I need to full disclosure here. We did get a review code from the developer. Yeah, but, but I did. You did. But Derek, Derek was the one who played it for review. I bought it myself and played it myself. Yeah. Um. And uh. So so I so like I want to stress if I were to put this next to my runner up, I would pick my runner up for reasons I'll get into later. But, but this is one of the best RPGs I've played in a decade. And like the um, context of it being a single it, person. And, is... and like I said, Derek played it also. And Derek, you were in love with this game. Yeah, it's an excellent game. It's I love JRPGs. It's, it's very like us core, right? It's very yeah. Final Fantasy core. Um, I loved a lot of the quality of life changes made and, and the small ways that it was modernized from, you know, something like a Final Fantasy six. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought it was to me like Undertale took the world by storm um, for for many reasons. But one of those reasons was was how crazy it is that all of that was done by just Toby Fox. Um, right. And to me, Chained Echoes is is a whole a different league in terms of the the amount of effort and the scale and, and what went into this game. Which is not to say that they're tonally comparable games. They're really not. But not at all. like. I, I think that this is something that, that really stands in a league of its own in terms of indie JRPGs um, and, and basically one-person projects. 
and, and it I, deserves I, to be recognized I, for that. Right. So like within that context, I get why you would pick that as game of the year over your runner up, even if you personally liked your runner up more. Because there's well, and, just a, like, a difference in the context of its creation and its release. Me, me personally, like I mean, you guys remember a couple of years ago, like I picked uh, Sayonara Wild Hearts as my game of the year. It wasn't my favorite game uh, that year, but it reminded me of a lot of the struggles that my wife had gone through, um, and uh, which you know was really poignant to me, which is why I picked it for my game of the year. Just because it, this is my philosophy, just because something isn't my favorite game of the year doesn't mean it's not the most impressive game yeah. I've played this year. When you factor in all, you know, everything, not just the game itself, but things that went into its development, things that things that it made me feel things, you know, feelings that it kind of welled up inside of me. Um, Chained Echoes is is absolutely phenomenal. And without spoiling anything, I'll say that the ending of this game is one of the most poignant and, and set, you know, tragic, but also uplifting endings i've seen in a game in the better part of a decade it leaves it wide open for a sequel and i hope i hope i i i, I hope beyond hope that matthias lindy gets the capital he needs to to make a sequel because not only is this a world that is baggy like they they flat out and like you know the the story is very much meant to continue but imagine, like Derek, imagine what he could do with more money and yeah. and, a, and 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 like an actual like a bigger like a team to assist him. Like it, it boggles the mind. Yeah. Um. But yeah, chained. That's why chained echoes is my game of the year. Rocking. Uh. So I will go next. My my game of the year. Um. Was was the third of three that were kind of the the bottom tier picks for game of the year. We we were the only ones that mentioned them. Um. My game of the year is Hard Space Shipbreaker. Uh, which is a game that I think bypassed a lot of folks. Uh, I believe it's still on Game Pass. I know it was yep. when I played it. Um, Hard Space Shipbreaker is interesting. Uh, on a purely gameplay perspective, you are in zero G uh, in a suit with tools, and it is your job to disassemble old spaceships. So you, you, huh. a, a ship gets dropped into your like yard I guess, you know, for lack of a better, say, your work area, and you have to go inside them, you know, find your weld points, find, you know, disassemble them, put things in the correct, you know, this needs to go to the furnace, this needs to go to the uh, the processor, these are valuable enough that you can salvage them intact, um, you know, there are hazards you have to deal with, like, you know, damaged electricity, uh, one of the biggest points very early on that shows you kind of where the complexity is going to come in is you start having to deal with pressurized environments. Um, you can't, if you've got an old uh, disabled chip, you can't just like crack it open and go inside. If it's pressurized, it'll depressurize at you and hurt you and send you flying off into space or flying into the furnace or something. Um, so it's this, it's kind of a very like it's, it's kind of like playing with Legos or assembling Ikea furniture or, or something like, but in reverse, like you're breaking something down. And I found that very satisfying, but what really made it my game of the year is aside from having a, a really addictive gameplay loop, it tells a very interesting and I think very important story. Uh, it takes what I think is a very common sort of sci-fi setting, setup aesthetic of, you know, it's it's a kind of libertarian, you know, wild west dystopia in in, you know, space. You you get this job as a shipbreaker and in order to get the job, you have to do, 
you know, you get signed up, um, you are immediately charged just stupid amounts of money for like habitat rental and tool rental and all these things. And you're, you're millions and millions of credits in debt before you're even day one on the job. Uh, and you're basically working just to pay off the debt you owe the company and day after day, like it's really difficult to watch how little of a dent you're making in your debt towards this company. And the other characters and and the dialogue you have with them and the scenario evolves over the course of this story to really tell a story about uh, about capitalism uh to tell a story about how corporations are designed from the get-go to extract your labor uh for their profit and and will use their power against you and it is very much a story about uh the collective power of workers and ways in which we have the ability to band together and turn that sort of uh, that relationship of power in the other direction um, and ways in which workers can be in control of, you know, their workplace environments and and the, the fruits of their labor. Uh, and I think that that's a really interesting because you see sci-fi all the time that does the it's it's a dark, gritty, like neon soaked, you know, uh, corporations run everything like, you know, that's so common in sci-fi and nobody wants to do anything with it other than be cynical, other than just be like, this is a crap sack world where, you know, it's it's cyberpunk bullshit. And I'm in tired a world of it. where I'm, everything sucks. I'm fucking tired of it. I'm fucking tired of Doomer sci-fi. I really am. So it really meant something to see something take that. Use use it in a meaningful way for the setup of the game to create the scenarios to why you'd be in this situation and then to tell a story about overcoming that. So this is to, essentially fuck capitalism the game. This is this is unionize the game and like that means a lot. Like this is this is a game about the relationship of power between the worker and the workplace. And it is just incredibly, like I said, I'm so tired of this doomer shit of like the corporations are going to run your life. It's like, no, no, we can control them. Show people through your stories, show people that path, show people explicitly through, through your characters and, and your, you know, friendly NPCs relationships with their workplace with the economy, how that is stacked against them and how you can turn the table. And like I said, it's all of that, but it's also just a super addictive, oh, uh, let me do one more shift, you know, cause it's fun to break down the ships. It is, it's fun to, it's fun to build things and it's fun to take them apart. Who's the developer Eric? on this, Derek? Uh, I'm not, I'd have to it's, look uh, it back I, up. I, I'm, I'm looking it up, right? It's Blackbird Interactive. Derek, I have to apologize. Yeah. I had never heard of the game. Yeah. And I heard the title and I just assumed it was a mech game. Like I just <laughs> That's a very Derek core choice, right? Yeah. I get uh, it. This is I'm like I've been watching the trailers and screenshots the whole time you're talking about it. I'm listening. This is a me ass game. This is a this is a very Jeff core game. Yes. Yeah. You would it's love tagged this. Tagged as sure. simulation and physics. It's very like, Oh yeah, that's those yeah. are the two best yeah. ways to describe its gameplay. Yes. Yeah. So and, I am and 100% then it, buying this. It You've tells a story it. about labor organizing, <laughs> yeah. which is just super important. Um, so it's yeah, a game that's been on my list for like a long time that I just haven't gotten to check out yet. Yeah, it's uh, it's sitting in my Steam uh, 
library just kind of uh i think a lot of people casually saw a bit of it and were like that seems kind of cool i'll get around to it it's very like power wash simulator but like no because it's about like it's about things uh and it's also a much better game and i mean like not to talk shit about power wash simulator it was fun but like you know this is a whole different whole different mechanics to it Yes, 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 yes. It's very cool. You have to remember rules for what you do to how how do you power down and disconnect this type of reactor, you know, when you come across it. It's very, uh, you know, in a way that's digestible. You don't need to be a mechanic to play this game or anything. You know, weld points are, are giant, you know, yellow and black caution tape looking, you know, points that make it really obvious that that's where you're supposed to use the cutter. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's my game of the year. It's it's one nobody else mentioned like chain echoes and like unpacking, but I think it is uh it was very impactful to me. So um, I'm glad, Derek, that it had such an impact on you. Yeah, yeah. Unionize motherfuckers. <laughs> um so I just, our- I, I, I just want to say that, oh god, see, okay. So Finn's background is like so out of focus and blurry that when that when Caitlin walks up, it's like a ghost. It, 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 yeah, it's like a phantom or a spirit approaching Finn, and then all of a sudden she materializes into the in, into the material plane. That's what it's like when you take like five Benadryl. So it, is that what this is? <laughs> it, like looking at Finn's screen, I feel like I have. I feel like I have glaucoma. Yeah. I feel like you've had some experiences that we need to. Wait, wait. What are you CJ? talking about, John? I don't have my screen blurred. I think. Yeah, that's clear, old. man. What are you talking about, John? Possible. You need a chupa chup. Why don't you just let us Gen Z folk explain what we're seeing? You're radical, man. Me and and CJ. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, what's your damage, John? That's what us Gen Z folks say. That's who's who's going next, you motherfuckers. Our uh, so our fourth game of the year. Quit fucking around. Our fourth game of the year is uh, a slight tier above the others because at least one other person mentioned this game in their runner-up or honorable mention section. Uh, and that would be CJ's pick for game of the year, which was Kirby in the Forgotten Land. Okay, so first CJ, things first. CJ, tell us a little about this. First things first, rest in peace, uh, David Crosby. Second. So I bought my my Switch OLED. Wait, what? Yeah, David Crosby did. Um, uh, and I, um, I bought my... Oh. My Switch OLED in November. That was my birthday gift to myself because I had a light for like two years and I'd been dying for like a Switch to play like on my TV. So I'm like, fuck it. Let me upgrade. The only reason I bought it was because I still hadn't played Kirby in the Forgotten Land. Um, when did it come out in March, right? Like Something like March or February. Game. And I'm like, well, and I was so hyped for it because I love a lot of the 2D. I love the 2D Kirby games. And, you know, it's a 3D game. But I just let it slip. Played a bunch of other games. Played my my runner up was like my game of the year for like the longest, like the longest um, time. I played um, one of my honorable mentions. That was like one of my picks for game of the year. Picks for like platform of the year. And then Thanksgiving, I had a copy of Kirby the Forgotten Land from work. I played through all of it like within that weekend. Um, I think it's the greatest Switch exclusive out right now. I Good truly, truly think. Statement. And that that's coming from me, someone who doesn't play, who doesn't like Zelda games, Metroidvanias, or RPGs that much. So take it with a grain of salt. I only play platformers <laughs> and, and, um, and arcade racers. But- and now JRPGs. Yeah, I know. CJ, the real question is, is it better than Balan Wonderworld? You know what? It's a hard one. I don't know. Like Balan Wonderworld has the edge of being like a, now 
uh, directed by like a hardened criminal. I think that's pretty yeah. slick. <laughs> Mult- multi felony award oh, winner, Yuji <laughs> Naka. We've mentioned Yuji Naka more times on this podcast on, on these on, uh, in the last like six months than we had in like in the actual Bound Wonderworld like um, review. Um, so Kirby and the Forgotten Land. The way I like it, it's not the jump from like Mario World to Mario sixty four. It's more the jump from of like Link to the Past to Ocarina. Meaning they they copied the same format of a two D Kirby game. They just kind of brought it to like three D. It's still very linear. It's still very level based. A lot of the objectives remain the same. A lot of the aesthetics remain exactly the same. But it's one of those things where you can immediately you're it kind of familiar with everything, right? It's not a dramatically different game um, where all of a sudden now you're like in this big open area collecting things or it's more like no you just kind of get to the level it's more of a brawler than it is a straightforward platformer which is what kirby's always been it's never been about like precise jumping it's never been about like difficulty it's always about finding a good ability beating the ever-loving christ out of like the the most adorable little fuckers ever yeah and it's about fucking slaughtering squish squishmallows yeah Deep you just you car. just sounded like you described the podcast cj yeah pretty much but what what really what really what really surprised me about this game or not surprised me i this year for me personally uh, 2022 there weren't many like greatest of all times i mean last year what, we had halo infinite forza horizon 5 life strange true colors and all this stuff that really like all right any any one game could be game of the year this year there's a consensus and most of the ones that like most of the big games didn't appeal to me um but this truly feels like the most polished the most wonderfully vibrant warmest game i've played in ages it is absolutely wonderful in an era where everything has to be grounded or cynical or everything like that and this coming some from someone like me who is just absolutely done with so much i can't believe like something like this could make me like smile so there was the, the one bit that got me. it really is i've always loved it and i always loved it. the one bit that got me the most was like there's one of the side quests in one of the levels is like rescue like a family of ducks uh, re- reunite these ducks and I care I don't go for 100% games I made sure I found all those fucking ducks they make you care about collectibles because most of the collectibles are fucking waddle d's yep. like the you fact gotta that save the boys little, oh my god and you have the little town which I spent way too much time in Why? and uh <laughs> what the <laughs> um, Brittany was tired of your talking about Brit's waddle d's okay Brit's dog <laughs> she was yelling at her cat over her phone <laughs> um could you guys I, hear I, me yeah yes. yeah <laughs> oh my god that's so <laughs> i mean not like clearly just heard you going Aah! i, I, I think that, that that might make it worse <laughs> Oh, so we, just, we definitely it, heard you i think with with, with with kirby and the friend Land, it's hard to talk about a game that's like so just it nails everything. There's nothing original about it. It's still a Kirby game. It's still it's not like yeah. again, like like said I said earlier, ah. it's not this huge jump. One of my honorable mentions is the more ambitious game, but it's also um uh, a very flawed game. This isn't that ambitious, but man, it nails everything. I spent 15 hours in it and I was done and I felt like I had just played like a it was it felt like a revelation. 100 percent It's the only it, it is like the absolute highlight of the Nintendo Switch for me so far. I, um, I described Kirby in the Forgotten Land as <laughs> like a lost GameCube game from where they first brought Kirby to 3D. And I mean that as the as the highest praise I can give it. I I spend so much time watching like video essays and retro gaming videos, and all I do is talk about what the transition from 
what is it for like how Kirby 64 was what it became what it is and then Return to Dreamland became what it is because they're all kind of like bits and pieces of like a lost GameCube 3D GameCube game yeah look at all that footage and 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 you see it you know kind of like alive in in Kirby the Brown I'm like yeah they're right this would have been perfect on that air I would have eaten this up when I was younger this would have this would have fit in right alongside Luigi's Mansion Super Mario Sunshine Metroid Prime 100% I was like that's you're right it wouldn't have been able to exist on anything else but the GameCube and Switch there's no middle ground there's absolutely can the Wii would have this couldn't have been a a Wii game no it could have been a Wii game could definitely not be a Wii U game um it is it, it has to be a Switch or GameCube game and for the, I love it. Also, um, a point of note: I know a lot of people didn't weren't vibing with like the boss fights or like the actual movement. I felt Kirby move fine. It's not you know he you moved like a Kirby. Full, yeah, you don't get full like three hundred sixty degree. It's not Mario sixty four. It's not Mario Odyssey. Whatever. I also love the boss fights so much. Yeah. Without spoiling, man, the ending just becomes like this weird like body horror sci fi like. What. Well- that's the thing cj i don't think it's incredible it's not a spoiler to say that at the end like a you find a ghost. horrible eldritch abomination <laughs> right like and, it's a Kirby oh, game but wait wait and, but the thing and this isn't a spoiler but man the, the that ddd boss fight oh yeah yeah like, oh my god look i think king ddd is probably my new favorite nintendo villain DDD's, DDD's, he's oh not even god. a villain he's that's just he's thing. just he's a fucking dude, pimp he's just a dude who fucking like he's just trying you're right he's just trying to fuck bitches he's, make money kirby's right. over here eating he's shit just up a penguin he's just a penguin in a rope with a hammer trying dude, to fuck shit up that's that's yeah, my, like, that's 100 and kirby's over here you know he's killing his vibe 100 i get it we all have that little like, we all have that one guy DDD hasn't been sober since 94 like <laughs> <laughs> pretty much but i again like there, there there's 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 so much more i can say but it's it's an absolutely phenomenal game one of the greatest platforms i ever played again maybe the greatest switch exclusive because my last favorite exclusive technically isn't exclusive um exceptional i loved it it's yeah. my it's my game of the year again a late game of the year because i played it like late november early december but immediately just clicked this is it yeah it's a good ass game so uh, moving on to our true game of the year. Uh, it's very funny because if you're watching this live, all three of us on top picked a game nobody else mentioned. And then CJ at the very bottom picked a game that at least somebody else mentioned. But our th- our three in the middle row here all picked the same game of the year, uh, bringing it, and, and, which was also mentioned by, by other folks uh, in other positions. So I think it was, it's really impressive you guys picked Final Fantasy VI Pixel Remaster. No. Uh, far and away. John, I had <laughs> to give you a Wonder solid. Yeah. You kept us all in your house, so we had to. I had to thank you some way. Far and away, <laughs> our game of the year was God of War Ragnarok. So why don't we give this up to the middle row to, uh, to explain... Uh, how they it's banded together to decide on, on this game as game of the year. I say Brit goes first. Um, Center okay. stage. Center stage. Um, so God of War. Where do I start? Okay, so God of War, I've always loved. It was like, um, you know, I've not mentioned it super so many times on the podcast before that it was, um, you know, a game I picked up late uh, because when it first came out, I was like, the fuck is this me beefy guy with axe pass? Like, um, I'm, I'm fine. I don't need those hack and slash games. And then I picked it up and it just completely absorbed me. And um, I was so, so, so excited for Ragnarok. Um, and when it came out. Um, 
it made me the happiest I've been all year. Um, last year, last year was really rough for me. A lot of bad shit happened to me and I fully attribute, uh, God of War Ragnarok to being like my starting point of getting back to like, not normal, but not just feeling like depressed and anxious all the time. Um, it, 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 it drove me, it motivated me, which is something I hadn't felt in months. It um, captured my heart. You know, I you know, continuously love the characters through that game. I'm a big fan of Norse uh, mythology, so I was very interested to see like how they interpreted different characters and brought them in. Um, <clears throat> and it was just a really... Um, it was therapeutic for me and I know people have their issues with it and I know it's not everybody's favorite and that's fine. I don't expect it to me, but it just, you know, aside from my personal feelings, I just thought it was a really uh, great game. But of course my feelings are what elevated it to game of the year. Um, it's the only platinum I got last year and I worked hard to get that bitch. And that's, Probably the hardest I've worked. Those berserkers are no fucking joke. Only, that's the only platinum. A fake gamer. Shit. I know. I'm such a fake. Yeah, gamer. but she beat all the berserkers. That's. I don't want to hear fucking excuses. Yeah. <laughs> hey, John, did you get the platinum? No, because I didn't. How many platinums did you get in 2022? 23. Did I, just, so I like that I made it well, like this. Oh. I think the answer is zero. I, I think Brit's no, a better gamer than John. Brit, like you have this emotional thing. First of all, John, twenty-three platinums, get a fucking life. Anyway, Brit, continue. <laughs> but um, yeah, like I said, I just fully attribute it to like uh, the start of my incline and my mental health. Um, because I can't tell you how happy I was to have that game, and then when it was on my screen, like the time when you know when you're going to start it up and everything. Um, and some of the my days of playing it were some of my best days last year um and i almost gave up i got stuck on the berserker king um and i was like you know what i'm not like it it kind of defeated me you know i was like you know i'm not good at these kinds of games like i just need to give up and then i um Sorry, CJ pasted something and it distracted me and then i uh went back to it and i did it and then it was uh, Gana's turn, and I actually beat her faster. I don't know if I was just used to Valkyries by that point or what, but yeah. And then I did it, and it God of War just did so much for my mental health wise, you know, story aside and everything. It was just, it, it was like a, a big hug that I needed to kind of like pick me up. And you know, I'll say it time and time and again. I love the characters. I love the story. I love the music. It's all just 100% my jam. And it felt like they just expanded on the first game, which was already really good. So, yeah. Breakout that's, star that's of that right. game, Throod. Yes, yes. I was yeah, going to say Christopher Thrude. Judge's speech at the Game Awards, but I'll give it to Throod. <laughs> um, one thing about this game that really struck me and like the fact that it kept up in this way for the whole time is just like how much like quality handcrafted content there is in it um so many like big games a lot of days like they have i mean there i mean there's plenty of collectibles and you know kind of repetitive tasks and stuff but like the like there are a lot of side quests that are really really good well thought out side quests 
uh, take you to a lot of places that you wouldn't go otherwise. There's a lot of characterization within them. Um, but, like, in the way, like, kind of in, it's the inverse to way, like, you know, a lot of, like, open world titles and stuff get monotonous. Like, it really feels like there isn't this huge gap between, like, the mainline quest quality and the side quests. Like, what when you're in this world, you are in it. And, like, it's something that I think represents what I really want, like, from, like, a big AAA game. Like, if it's a game that's going to take five years, if it's a game that's going to cost a lot, like, you know, to make, like, it just felt, it just felt so complete. And, like, every square inch of this game was poured over by really talented people that really cared um, about, you know, you know, getting this game out, you know, you know, and really getting this experience to the player. Um, you know, late game, there's like an entire optional section that I spent literal days um, exploring. I remember um, I messaged Justin and I was like, this just keeps going. I was like, yeah, and, and, and there was so much more that you had left too. like, yeah. um, I don't know. You literally it was just, take a step step and you get a side quest. Um, you know, the, there's just something about this game that it just everything just clicked for me. And like also a lot of side quests. This is just, you know, I'm somebody that works at a veterinary office and like a lot of the side quests and stuff are like helping out animals in this game. Um, and, you know, I'm somebody that also, you know, loves like large mythological creatures. Like I talk about kaiju movies and stuff all the time. And like there's a lot of that and like love and awe for that sort of thing in this game. And I think that's missing from a lot of like fantasy themed games um, these days is like that kind of sense of magic and like embracing it and stuff, too. Um, you know, for as much of, you know, God of War can be, you know, <laughs> you know, a brutal series like there. There's so much that's just nice about this game. Um, and like. I don't know, just the, like the sheer effort and passion that went into this game just blew me away. Um, like, there's not a single thing in this game that somebody didn't really care about and put I, like I, themselves yeah. into. And also just shout out to the team. This was the most polished game I have played like in the COVID era. Um, performance was excellent. Uh, I didn't encounter a single bug and i played this on on day one and stuff whereas like almost every other game even ones that have come out in like you know decent shape have had some of those issues and have had you know more patches than stuff used to take to get into a good shape like this game was polished and really high quality and i, th I think just like if you're going to talk about like this big triple a thing like sometimes you know just having oh we have this much gameplay but like the fact that it's so dense and curated and you could just feel the care and love that went into making this game it just it just blew me over and just play like like i was in kind of the same boat as brit like when i was playing this game i was in this world and it was some of the most some of the happiest i was last year so yeah i, was gonna I, say, I really had a like great time with it even even the side quests don't feel like side quests because they have lore and they have story to it. Yeah, and um, some of the stuff is it like really important. <laughs> and they're so good at threading like if you if you wait until later to do a lot of this stuff and maybe have like different characters around in the story at that time, like they they account for 
those sort of changes when you do those stories and, and dialogue will significantly change. And there's a lot of polish in it. I've heard, I heard a lot of people when God of War Ragnarok came out, um, I heard a lot of people criticize it by saying it really just felt like more of God of War, like the last one. Like we have all of these, these games coming out where the sequels, these big transformative experiences, and this just felt like more God of War. But added to I, the experience, I, yeah. there I were say, seven Greek God of War games, by yeah, the way. I, but here's the thing: wow, they really the last God of War shit. that you know that 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 sort of reboot on PS4 was incredible, and we waited a decent amount of time for this game. And like, it is really to me like uh, again, I didn't criticize The Last of Us Part Two for being too similar to The Last of Us. Right. Like and and these this story, this was intended to finish out and, and end an era started by the previous game and be two parts of one story. Uh, and when you you nail something that right the first time, you don't have to reinvent everything <laughs> like such so yeah, it's, it's crazy to me. The 2018 game was such a massive, massive yeah. departure. Too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's about you, yeah. Finn. Well, I think it's safe to say that this game Ragnarok. I fucking uh, hate you. I love you, you, Finn. You don't Finn Uh, Ragnarok. That's all I have to say. And I'm I'm surprised you didn't say I was God of Worried that it wouldn't live up. But I wasn't God of Worried that it wasn't going to live up because it Ragnarok. And uh, you'd have to be—you'd have to be pretty cray Kratos to think it wasn't going to be. No, I was with you until that one, man. You ruined it. You you, okay? No, all right. You fucking blew it. You blew it, Finn. You blew it. It's coming back. Um, real talk. There's there's only a handful of games each generation that uh, I play alongside uh, Saki. You gave uh, Brit psychic damage. It's fine. So, like and 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 God of War was the first that we ever sat. Uh, I, I not played together, but that she got invested in and sat down. Like it all started. The first God of War came out on PS4. I was playing it. She was doing something else. As the intro progressed, she stopped what she was doing, sat down, watched. By the end of like the 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 opening and like the early stuff she said uh okay you can't play without me like so that became a game i could only play when she was present so we could experience it together and she was more excited about ragnarok than i was she was the one that told me did you see the new trailer did you know it's coming out soon don't forget to pick it up after work and we spent the bulk of our christmas holiday just hunkered down and and platinuming the game together and it was it was awesome trying to figure out the story beats and guess where it was going to go together and throw in ideas. And then the game itself is just so good. And to, to touch upon different parts that they haven't mentioned yet, like just the combat, the uh, the it, it's not drastically different from the last one, but it's so much more expanded upon that. I tried to go back to the original to be like, oh, I should probably get finish my platinum in the first one. All I had to do was beat the Valkyrie Queen, and there was so many. All you had to do. <laughs> well, there was so many things in the, in in the uh, in the in the new game that aren't present in the old game that just makes me really 
sad because there's so you can tailor the combat to your play style based on any combination from the different shields that they are like all of them completely fundamentally change how you play the armor sets and what bonuses they give you the runes you equip and what bonuses they give you the upgrades you choose the weapon you choose like everything has its own build out and it just switching between blades axe and spear you just can't like they're all different and it just made combat feel very varied and fun and every encounter felt uh like exciting you you could button mash but where's the fun in that there was just something and also just from a pure story point without getting too spoilery i loved that they broke up the kratos atreus duo multiple times and gave you different partners throughout the game it made the the longer runtime feel a lot more varied. And I never once was like looking at like watch being like, when is this going to be over? In fact, I was actually honestly shocked the way it ended that it did, because I don't know if they announced this, but I kept assuming we would get another trilogy out of the Norse. And then they ended the Norse story. Mm. And I'm like, oh, dip. I think they mentioned it before release. But I mean, it's not like it was part of the marketing. So like if you weren't paying that much attention. And I wasn't. Yeah. They, said ex- it, they said it in an interview, but it wasn't okay. like they were shouting it from the rooftops or anything. Right. So I have a quick question, like just following that up. Are they going, they haven't announced a third game. Did they commit to a trilogy? No, Are, it's no. no. They, they, in fact, the opposite. They said that Ragnarok was going to wrap this, this story. I know um, this story, but I didn't know if they were going well, to make another they game. Have, they have said things like, Alluding to there being more God of they've, War in the they've future. They've set up far but, too much in this universe in these two games for them not to keep going. But, but like, yeah, but... But um, I think the Norse chapter yeah, is Yeah, the, the like Norse saga is... The, the, the other thing I wanted to just touch upon is just Kratos' journey, not just from the original trilogy, but from game one to two and his growth as mm. a character and the way Christopher Judge brought that depth. And you could like this Kratos is so different than just from 2018 Kratos and how he interacts with his child. And it's just it was so cool to see. And also there was a one plot twist moment near the end of the game that had my jaw dropped and it was Oh man, that 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 I was one so moment, confused. That one moment like sold the entire like even if I didn't like anything prior to that, that story beat had me fucking I'm uh, not sure I know what you're talking about, so you'll have to DM me after this. I will. Yeah. I'll DM you now. I'm yeah, doing it now. Works. I'm already oh, yeah. on it. Hell yeah. Yeah, God of War. Oh. Ragnarok was good. Ragnarok was one of my my honorable mentions. Um there was no way it wasn't going to end up on my list. It was all right. What a, what a fantastic game. Also, um, the, the fact that that story beat gets uh, kind of touched upon and and resolved in the epilogue content mm-hmm. that you that you complete. To oh, get yes. The oh, yes. Yeah, that, that's that. Right. So okay. Cool. Okay. Then I know exactly what you're talking yep. about. Yeah, that's that's another example of like why I thought some of the side stuff was so great. Oh, like yeah, the, the side a, quest in this game. None of them there, felt like a throwaway. There's a major, major reveal that is not even actually in a side quest. It's like just from exploring a post-game area and you stumble upon it. (laughs) It's so cool. Yeah, yeah. But no, it's like it's it's like Justin said, like the side quest felt as important as a lot of the main plots. Like we didn't get a single 
kill X wolves and bring me their pelts so that I can build a coat for you to uh, improve your gear. That's score how you something. build a coat. Everybody knows that. There was shit. a couple of those, but there's like, one. There's one side quest where um, Atreus is like, "Why did you want to do this?" Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Says to Kratos, and you know they talk back and forth, and then um, Amir chimes in, is like. He just wants to spend time with you, boy. Yeah, and like, like fuck I, up, kid. I, I loved that moment, and it also sums up with why I think some of the side content was as good as it was, and why I wanted to do it all. I wanted to spend time in this world and with these characters. Yeah. I just did. God of, um, God of War Ragnarok also had easily one of my favorite lines in a game of the entire year, which was "the fucks an olive." Yes, I love that. They're talking about what did you miss before? What is your favorite food you wish you could have again? And and Kratos says olives. And and there's a silence. And then, yeah, the fuck's an olive? Because none of them would know what an olive is. It's it's meaningless, but I love it. I wish they, I mean, I get he's the God of Wisdom, but I wish they would have mentioned how Mimir keeps hearing about, oh, you know what? Fuck what I was going to say. The greatest random throwaway conversation was throughout the whole game. Amir's like, Hey, I heard this wonderful like tale of valor or brutality that you did back in, in Greece. And Kratos would comment one way or the other. And then one time he just references PlayStation battle, uh, all stars, like all stars battle Royale. And Kratos like, we don't, oh, I don't yeah. want to talk about it. I we don't remember that. Fortnite. No, no, it's no, about, it's about, no, oh, it's about he, PlayStation no. All Stars. I heard you like, did battle with like a, uh, yeah. a music, the greatest hunters. musician, a treasure hunter. Oh, okay, okay. okay. yeah, that was just a princess for fat princess and he's naming yes. all these like playstation characters and kratos is like i don't want to talk about it it's like fair enough and he just, <laughs> it's great did he also funny. say like i fought in a lot of tournaments or something yes. like <laughs> yeah that's funny just my, my 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 favorite interaction from god of war ragnarok was uh, because like i can relate to this uh, in a, a great deal based on some of my experiences um is when uh i can't remember wh- where they're trying to get into but um they're going for a head-on um you know like a head-on confrontation and mimir says brother w- uh, brother w- uh perhaps maybe you'd we should attempt a more stealthy approach and there's like 10 seconds of silence and then kratos just goes no <laughs> and i was like i was like see this is no. why no one wanted to work with me in afghanistan in 2010 correct that's the only reason. Yep, <laughs> yeah, pretty times. much. Uh, no. So, if uh, this is this is a good cutoff point, if you all will have it, yeah. where we can let everybody take four or five minutes to talk about their the rest of their choices. Oh, I just um, want to point out real quick in chat that Maddie Dude said Cray Kratos was good, so Maddie Dude is my new favorite. <laughs> That's fun. Uh, how do we, how do we want to do, do we want to do this? Uh, I'm going to do this reverse order. We're going to go, uh, from, from CJ up to me backwards re- from reading order. So then what so, are you going to, what are you going to do? Gonna I'm going to the... go ahead and put your image up on the screen for okay. a bit. And I want Bing you yay. to talk. I want you to talk about, hey, uh, these, your, these, yeah. These uh, by the way, look- Finn, thank you for creating all of these graphics. Uh, oh, you, bro. You fucking Shout out to Finn. Shout out to Finn. Yeah, shout nothing out to else. Finn for real. Nothing else. Just for the graphics. Just for the yeah. graphics. Everything else now. Also the puns. CJ. <laughs> no, the no, puns. no, 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 no. You're up on screen. Why don't you Am talk about your 
Talk so about thing, your runner that up picture, in your that picture isn't a baby picture. That's me last week because I, I shaved. I'm I'm that <laughs> young. Um, <laughs> um so <laughs> I have the hold on, let me pull it up because I even I forgot. So my my runner up very quickly is um Gran Turismo 7, which for the longest time was my game of the year, which is wild because I I'm mostly uh, an arcade racing guy. So the fact that the simulator really had its hooks in me is incredible. It's probably my favorite PlayStation exclusive as well. Um, it justified the PS5 for me. My PS5 was basically, I didn't have a PS4 or Pro, so I just wanted to play a bunch of PS4 games um, in 4K, and it's also my 4K player, so I can just watch Collateral 50 times a week. Um, <laughs> but, man, GT7, incredible, incredible. It's the only game that's like that actually got me to turn on the fucking adaptive triggers on my controller. It's, it, it made me, you know, really appreciate not only... Um, a lot of the, like the cool visual tricks that the lot of like big AAA PS5 games do. It just made me appreciate cars again. It's this great. This is a great collection of Japanese cars. It's nowhere near as like monumental as like Forza Horizon, which is fine. Whatever. It has a lot of cars I love. It's the only game where you can get a bunch of different Toyotas. One of the first cars I got was a Supra. Made me happy. One of the first cars I got was a Mazda Miata, which I can actually fit in in a video game. Um, the the sort of like love for um, car culture and the artistry that goes into manufacturing and just racing is exceptional. It is. And I talked about this before. So many games elicit emotional responses through story, which kind of sucks because games are interactive. This is the only time I played a game where I'm like, oh, OK, this I'm this action is being translated successfully um, in a really interesting way. And I I, I I can't really describe it any better. It's just one of those things you have to play it. It is like it. I, my words aren't doing any justice. Um, and then my my quickly honorable mentions um, need for speed unbound. Man, Criterion's back. I'm so happy. One of the greatest arcade racers around. One of the most unique AAA racing games ever, with thanks to its art style. It's the perfect marriage of Criterion's, or sorry, Burnout's over-the-top arcade racing with the more technical and grounded that Need for Speed usually has. Um, another honorable mention, Sonic Frontiers, the most ambitious platformer I've played in a decade. Maybe, and maybe one of the greatest platformers ever. The greatest Sonic 3D Sonic game since Generations, hands down. Um, I put more hours into, I think, into that game than any other single player game this year. So damn good. Go read my review over at Game Critics. And my my last honorable mention, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Um, I've talked about this game a lot, so I'll tell the story. One Saturday night, my cousin Justin and I were playing um, we're playing a lot of rounds of Call of Duty and I was very drunk and the whole time I swore that I was that that we were performing at like the level of like SEAL Team 6. Um, we we were not more like SEAL Team sucks. It was one. <laughs> no, of, no, it, I believe we, it. I believe it. We were. It was bad. It was bad. And we were all pit. We're playing DMZ. You shoot at any mountains? Shot a lot of mountains. <laughs> um, but no, Modern Warfare 2, not just a great game, but maybe the greatest social experience of the year because it was the only thing that everyone I knew was planning around. Everyone was like, oh, are you getting Modern Warfare 2? A console and everything. Justin and I were talking about that shit for months. Um, the at, at, Over at Extra Life, all we did was like talk about, yeah, we just pre-ordered this shit. It was the game that everyone was playing, and I was so happy that it, it's, it, it was as good as it was. Um, fuck it though, because I put way too much time into it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm All done. Right. Justin, you're up next. Okay. All right. So, um, uh, my runner up, uh, this year was, uh, Horizon Forbidden West. Um, I, I've talked 
plenty about how much I loved uh, Zero Dawn on this show. Um, and Forbidden West just continues a whole lot of that. Again, it's a very, you know, iterative sequel. But um, her, the Horizon world is just, again, it's just one of those game worlds that I love being in. Um, like, I love the the art design direction. But, like, again, just the whole, like, you know, majesty and awe that, like, the machines invoke. Um, as well as, like, you know, sorry, goes some wild places in Forbidden West, but like, um, you know, just I, I, I just love that kind of take on a post-apocalypse. Um, and because, you know, there's something that's very optimistic and hopeful about it, um, you know, even even as stuff's going down. And, you know, as much as I love my dark post-apocalyptic stories, like it's nice that there is one in that, you know. It can still have elements of that, especially when you go into the backstory stuff, but is just, um, you know, just a really kind of awe-inspiring, you know, and then, you know, optimistic at the time, like, you know, sci-fi story. So I had a lot of fun with Her uh, Horizon Forbidden West. Um, I've got to double-check what my honorable mentions were because I changed my honorable mention list a bunch. 17 times. <laughs> because i played a bunch of games right at the like last moment of the year okay so uh here we go um so this next one again my top like the these these three games are all real on brand for me but uh destiny 2 uh witch queen um is another one of my honorable mentions i loved the uh the campaign that came with witch queen um it did so much with the lore and story and actually bringing it in there and presenting it to players. And it's not just people, you know, reading stuff like me that like with the lore stuff, like there's some really, really poignant stuff. And the, the design of it is really, really cool. It's, it's just like, it's actually a really brilliant FPS campaign. Um, and it's really different and it invokes, it pulls in a lot of stuff that's really great about destiny. Um, and finally like shows it off in a really coherent and exciting way. Um, it really brought me back into Destiny, which is a game I played on and off for a long time. But like Witch Queen, Witch Queen really stuck. Um, and this year was the most I've played Destiny in several years. Um, I, I adored Witch Queen. I'm super excited for Lightfall next month. Um, so yeah, Witch Queen was great. And then these other two are games I have only played uh within the you know last few weeks. Uh, the first one is Signalis, uh, which is absolutely phenomenal throwback survival horror game um just true like if you care about survival horror games you need to play signalis it is i think like an essential game like in the pantheon of survival horror games uh the story is brilliant um it's unsettling in ways that i wasn't expecting like it makes just so such great use of like distortion effects and just blasting sound at you and stuff at certain times um the puzzle design is really, really clever. Um, some of them took me a while to figure out, but they were super satisfying when you figure it out. They're they're a bit they're at least more logical than you know a lot of survival horror ones are, but they're still tough. Um, yeah, it's just it's a super cool game. Really, really took me by surprise, and it's made by a team of two people. Um, really, really impressive. Uh, and I loved how they managed to balance how to make, you know, that type of survival horror game still feel good to play, um, even though it is such a throwback. And But 
they just took the Metal Gear Solid uh, like camera angle and put that on instead of the typical fixed camera angles of the PS1 era stuff. So it still is a PS1 era throwback thing, but it worked a lot better. Um, yeah, I I could gush about Signalis for a long time, but I don't want to spoil it for people. It's a game that really benefits you going in fresh, fresh for. Um, I loved it. My other one, I'm actually not quite, I'm not done done yet, but it has really taken me by surprise, and I've been very taken with it. And it's uh, Marvel's Midnight Suns. Uh, oh, this game fucking rules. Um, like I, when I knew Fire Axis was working on, you know, a Marvel, a Marvel game. Uh, you know, I knew they would nail like the turn-based strategy stuff of it. Like Fire Axis is in a league of their own when it comes to that sort of thing. Um, however, what I wasn't um, prepared for, and the stuff that I've loved the most, is how much of an RPG it is. Um, and with some really, really great character writing, um, and the voice cast is also great. Uh, just, it's just been so fun to like go, to go through and to get to know the characters. Um, I love, I love the characterization that they've come up with for, um, a lot of these established characters. It goes deep into a lot of like the, like supernatural lore of the Marvel universe in a really fun way. Um, but like it also does a really good job with you know when people argue and like and it actually like has like an air of being uncomfortable when like people are fighting and stuff too and like and sometimes there's arguments where it's like oh nobody's in the wrong but i see why everybody's mad and stuff like that like i don't know it's they they really handle the character and team dynamics well and i think like especially like the abby stuff is a cool spin on kind of the typical bioware oh you go back and you talk to your companions between missions kind of thing which i'm a sucker for and i love anyway but like they added kind of a you know uh there's mysteries to solve and you know over time you gain spells to access different places and, and investigate it it's a really really cool game that i think is cool in ways i wasn't expecting and you know the turn-based strategy stuff is great too um so they said so they nailed the stuff I, I expected them to but i was really i've been really taken by the characterization and writing um and it's just been a really fun fun game to spend some time in so yeah um those were those were my uh my runners up and uh, honorable mentions. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Britt, you're up. Britt, you're muted, I Britt, you're, you're muted. muted. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is practicing. No, I'm not. Um, I had to, I had to bring Jeff back into the conversation cause he's been quiet <laughs> right. for a little bit. Um, so <laughs> my runner up was Disney's dream at Valley. Um, because it was a game that stuck with me throughout the year um it was um it, it was and it has been everything i wish animal crossing was um this game isn't officially out yet but the way they've been dropping content um has just been it's been slow and steady which i love because you can't just blow through everything like you can in animal crossing um time skipping fucks up your game um so you just you really just have to work through it and put in the effort and um i loved that i loved you know unlocking characters i loved um decorating i loved you know just all that cozy animal crossing stuff but it was just expanded upon and better i loved crafting multiple things at once um you know it just it it was a 
improvement from Animal Crossing, and it just made me realize how disappointing Animal Crossing is to me. Um, and I'm excited to see where they go with it. Uh, they've only released, I want to say, like, three characters since they went out for their initial launch. Um, but yeah, it's just been, it's been my cozy game. Anytime, like... I didn't have any energy to do anything. I would play Dreamlight Valley. Um, you know, I loved farming money to shop for clothes and buying all the stuff I can and shop updates. And, you know, it's it, one thing I love about it is you can. There's little side quests you get with your quote unquote villagers. Um, so it's not like they move there and then you like give them a shirt every now and then and like that makes them happy like you actually have like a friendship bar that you have to work on and do quests for and you have to go get certain things and craft certain things for them and um it you have a friendship level of 10 and each level you get something so it's it just gives you something to work for which again i had a rough year last year so this game made me feel like i was accomplishing something uh really loved it um my honorable mentions and i really thought so when i played horizon forbidden west i really thought it was going to be my game of the year because that is another game that just um completely drew me in that i spent hours on the couch with um the only reason why i chose god of war of it is because i feel like god of war touched me um in a more personal way than um horizon did um, but I loved Horizon. I loved the characters. Kotalo is the best addition to the game. Love him so much. Um, there's just something about... Mary. Yeah. Ooh, don't, don't do that. Um, there's something about being in that world, like Justin said, that is, it, it makes you want to... Um, stay it makes you want to nourish your relationships it makes you want to um want to do everything just because that game is so fucking beautiful too i think that's the prettiest game i played all fucking year um and then final fantasy 14 that's always just a fun go-to oh, yeah. um i had to unsubscribe unfortunately but i still love it um the reason why i put it on my honorable mentions is because while fantasy for final fantasy 14 is not new uh, they added new content to it, like the island, which is, again, like a farming simulator, which, if you guys haven't guessed, I fucking love that shit. Uh, and the fact that they implemented that into an MMO is, like, one of the most genius things I think any MMO could have done, uh, aside from player housing. So that's why that's on my list. And then Fortnite, uh, another just fun, cozy game. Uh, I just, I think last year I got into Fortnite again. I didn't think I'd ever play it again. but. Um, I'm surprised at how much they change things up. Um, you know, they always keep it fresh. They always take and remove you know, weapons and items. You know, they, they give you events with the skins that they put in the game. It's just like there's always something fun and new to do, even if you play uh, consistently. Um, and it's like just one of those games that's you don't have to put a lot of thought into, but it's so fun just hanging out with your friends and, you know, screaming that you're getting shot from across the map. And, you know, just I love Fortnite. Um, and I in 2022, I did not think I would be saying that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I think Fortnite's great. And I just realized all of my honorable mentions have like F in the title. <laughs> Forbidden West, Final Fantasy 14 and Fortnite. Anyway, so, yeah, those are my picks. And go play them. Thank you. 
Hell yeah. <laughs> Finn. Sup, sup. Put down Doken Battle and tell the us true, about your other games. The true game of the year. It's fine. I was playing uh, Puyo Puyo Tetris while everyone else was talking. It's fine. It's all Before we start oh. the show, I've so been I listening to know. everybody. I just want to put that out there. I love you guys and I, I, I appreciate uh, what you have to say. Yeah, um, I've but... listened to everything. I It's called having ADHD and multitasking. <laughs> So, I don't think that's how that works. It is exactly how that is kind of how it works, unfortunately. Um, I put in not all, not on my list right here, but I put in one thousand five hundred and sixty-two hours in Doken Battle in the Year of Our Lord twenty twenty-two. Don't brag about that, Finn. Oh, I'm so uh, good lord. Don't brag. John, about that. you want to keep you, you keep going? I'll start talking about my favorite characters from twenty twenty-two. I'll go all Please day, don't. but Please instead, don't. I'll talk about my runner-up in Furnax, which is. Uh, my favorite indie game of the year by far, even though Chained Echoes is really damn good. I haven't finished it yet, so I didn't count it. I only <laughs> count games I've beaten. Um, Infernax was everything they, they marketed it to be, which was a love letter to the Zelda 2 Castlevania 2 era of games. In fact, the, uh, the marketing guy, Hunter who would always use the phrase, what if Castlevania and Zelda 2 were good? And you know what? He's right. This game was amazing. It, it, it took those classic styles of games and added modern day sensibilities and quality of life. And what we ended up with was a phenomenal game that encouraged multiple playthroughs to see how different decisions would play out. Oh, yeah, Mr. W, eating the wall chicken in Infernax is an amazing moment that gets its own cutscene. Beautiful. I love it. Nice, uh, I like that. Infernax was so fucking good. It, it it was funnier than you thought it would be. It had more depth than you thought it would have. It had more story than fuck, you thought. It, it's and Dude. the the music is hardcore. The 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 aesthetic is metal as fuck. Um, it's so good. It was so good. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was probably my first big game of the year. I think it dropped in early February, like right before Horizon. Uh. Speaking of Horizon, it's my first honorable mention. Um, until God of War dropped, Horizon was a lock for top two. That's and that. Then, that was me too. And that's then God of War came out. Uh, it was another game where uh, I had I could only play the plot if Saki was next to me because we both love Aloy. And it took a story that I really loved in part one with all the late game revelations and just really built upon it. And the story kept me going. Uh, I'm super hyped for whenever we're going to get part three because they've set up one hell of a what I can only assume is a finale. Aloy as a character is one of my favorite new characters in recent memory. Um, and the new Otalo. robots. Uh, yeah. And the new the new robots in this game were so diverse and unique and fun to fight. Um, just had a blast playing it. And I got my platinum in this one, too. And it, it was worth every moment. Um, next, I have Live Alive, which uh, I'm going to let John talk about more, but just fucking great. What a good game. Well, so fun and like, silly. Like, so Man. good. It almost makes you angry that Square Enix decided to take like 30 years to fucking let us play it officially. <laughs> right. But you know what? It gave us it gave us it gave us the revamped like pixel remaster, quote unquote, like take on Live Alive. So I guess it evens out. But it's just it's just fucking good. And then finally, I have Pokemon Scarlet, which is probably 
the only game that I pushed myself through tech issues and slowdown and pop-ups and glitches because the take on the formula, like they, they took all of the really cool new ideas from Arceus and they were like, how can we meld those with the mainline Pokemon game? And what resulted was probably my favorite take on the tried and true formula. Like the open world aspect of it added so much to it. The three divergent storylines that all coalesced at the end and also probably has the most bonkers batshit final chapter plot plot line wise of any Pokemon game. And I loved it. It was so cool. And it honestly, I think it has the most robust national decks or uh, yeah, the the regional decks. It has 400 Pokemon in its base form before you even start breaking out into the national decks. And I think that's incredible. And it's the first time I've actually gotten really invested in the end game. I'm doing like raids and trying to get the herb mysticas so I can make shiny sandwiches so I can. I actually I, I, I always feel so bad because our good friend of the show, Reb Valentine, uh, lamented that she never encountered a single shiny in her hundred hours of gameplay. And I'm sitting here with seven before I even tried. And I was like, I've never encountered a shiny in my Brutal. 30 years of playing Pokemon. Yeah. But I started my first six minutes of Pokemon Scarlet. I ran into a little pink Lechonk. And I knew from that moment on it was going to be special. Uh, but anyway, it, this game has got me wanting to shiny hunt and do in-game content. And that's stuff. Usually with Pokemon games, I'll beat the game, fight my friends for a little bit and move on. But I just keep finding myself coming back to it. Uh, my honorable honorable mention goes to Plague Tale Requiem. It deserved more love. It just dropped at a really bad time. So yeah. there we go. Boom, boom. John gang gang you're up. okay uh so my runner-up for game of the year was live alive uh and i want to stress it was also my favorite game of 2022 and it is now probably in my top three favorite games of all time um i absolutely loved this game from start to finish uh live alive i've played a bunch of you know uh, japanese imports that never got localized live alive is one of those games i just never played i knew all about it I just never got the chance to play it. Um, Live Alive is still to this day, like it originally came out in 1994, and to this day, it is still so incredibly formative and and inventive. Like the fact that this game is so experimental, the fact that it came out in 1994 just absolutely boggles my mind. Um, and it has one of the one of the like deepest saddest most affecting endings uh in in any game i've ever played and and they were so serious about this uh about this remake that they actually added an entire new phase uh to the to the final boss i'm, I'm not gonna that's all i'm gonna say but but the 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 final final boss was not present in the original release of live alive and it is a perfect just a perfect way to cap off what is an absolutely incredible game. Every line, every line of dialogue is fully voiced. Um, um quick thing, is, like the the Western bit, because that's the only part I played. Because I had to. Read, so, oh my god, that you dialogue. Mean the bit? No, like that's the thing. That dialogue is phenomenal. Even the mariachi, like the mariachi band, they 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 took the time to like record music. They had yeah. them sing in this like 16-bit looking ass game incredible like that it, whole bit was like the most authentic thing i've uh, the, like the, the the second most authentic western game i've ever played well that's and, how and, like yeah. well and and here's the other thing cj here's the other thing since you mentioned the mariachi band 
this is the peak of Yoko Shimomura's career. I love um, Yoko Shimomura. Oh my god, the, Are you the boss theme, especially Megalomania, is yeah. probably the greatest fucking boss theme in in gaming history. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go to any music service or even just go to YouTube and look up Megalomania in the HD 2D remake of Live Alive, and you will know exactly what the fuck I'm talking about. Like CJ's hurt. De- Derek Finn, what do you guys think? Oh, you're not wrong. Like, it's I just want fucking... to point out, uh, John, I think I would have loved Live Alive a lot more, but you got you to be real with me. Am I the only one that found the Twilight Edo Japan chapter to be just the worst? That's where I stopped. I wasn't, I wasn't a fan. You're the only one. I loved it. It is, the, it it is the chapter that almost made me drop the game, and it's yeah. probably why I'll never replay it, because I it's don't... It's the second one I played after the Western one, and I'm like, it, I didn't I realize it's some weird Metroidvania. I got pissed. No, I've played that game three fucking times now. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't ever want to play that chapter again. If I lo- I, function, there is but... literally not a single chapter in this game I don't absolutely love. Like, I fell head over heels in love with this game. And, um... Uh, did uh, Finn, did you beat it? Uh, no, not yet. Okay, Derek, did you beat it? Yes. You did beat it. So all I'll say is there's a phase in the final boss um, where the the final boss uses an, an attack called St. Alethea, and as a YouTube video described, it is the most metal JRPG attack of all time, and it is fucking horrific when you actually figure out what's I happening mean, there. I feel it's, like that's ooh. very guy who plays two JRPGs a year. <laughs> ooh. Like, ooh. It's, it's a joke it, only for CJ. <laughs> yeah, it's Man. it's wild. But yeah, I love absolutely love everything about Live Alive. Um, one of my top three games of all time now. Up there with Final Fantasy VI and Chrono Trigger. Uh, Elden Ring, of course. Yeah, just you used fucking... your entire time on Live Alive, so speed run the others. Okay, uh, Elden Ring, great <laughs> fucking game. Elden Ring is, of course, you know, I, I played it for review, put 250 hours into it. Phenomenal game. Tactics Ogre Reborn. What else can I say? It's the definitive version of what was already just a classic strategy RPG from Square and Signalis, which I'll echo what Justin said, and that is now a survival horror must play. If you're into survival horror games and you especially if you love like old school Resident Evil and Silent Hill, you must play Signalis. It's not a it's a requirement for you. Yeah, that's what I got. Jeff, you're up, my man. It's real easy because you just gave us a runner up. Although if you'd like to think of honorable mentions, you can. Let's go, baby. Come on. It's Jeff. good. I I enjoyed other games, but I you know I, I I like to reserve this show for the stuff that really like uh, not change my life, but uh, the stuff that really really is going to stick with me for a long time. Yeah, it's Grand Turismo Seven. Um, I you know most people know I like I like games where you're in some kind of vehicle. Uh, I'm not big on just running around on your little feet. Um, Grand Turismo Seven is uh, <laughs> the you know, cutest I, fucking thing. <laughs> uh, Grand Turismo, I've got, I've played most of the series. I actually didn't get into it until the PS2. I didn't play the first two on the original PlayStation. I was more into like JRPGs at the time. Um, so I, yeah, I played three, four, five. It's well documented. You know, the series has had its ups and downs. Some games took a long time to come out. A lot of them came out half-baked. Uh, I really think Grand Turismo 7 is the vision that they have been chasing since the first game came out 20 or 30 years ago. They have the technology finally to make it photorealistic. Um, the physics are the best they've ever been. The actual racing is the best it's ever been. The AI is the best it's ever been. The online racing, you know, I don't play a lot of online games, but it's they've found a way to make it feel fair. You're like, yeah, there's some idiots out there playing bumper cars, but generally it's just very good quality, not dirty racing with other people who are serious about it. Um, and it's a really fun mode. But like, there's something about Gran Turismo. I love lots of racing games. I love Forza. Um, I played a shit out of Drive Club. I love Need for Speed. 
There's something about Gran Turismo when you boot it up. It's like the combination of everything. It's like the elegant menus and it's a little bit up its own ass, but it kind of but in the best it. way. It's, it's, it's a work of art almost. It, it is Yamuchi. a work of art. Yamuchi's it's, it's an the, auteur, man. It's the visuals and the music. And, and you know, the PS5 has actually helped this a lot because the load times and menus were a big barrier and other ones where it took a long time to get anywhere. But now it's like immediately there's this huge hub and there's lots of things to do. You can do an online race. You can do like a time trial. You can do a regular race, but like I fucking spent, I have 260 hours in this game. I spent probably like 30 hours just taking pictures of my cars. I spent five hours making Final Fantasy livery for Honda Civic. Yeah, like, there you go. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And I love it because like, and it's like what Britt mentioned, they added Island Sanctuary into Final Fantasy 14. I think it's, it's, I'm really starting to like when games add like something, an experience that's not the core game. Uh, it's like a nice break. Like Final Fantasy, when I'm tired of grinding, daily roulette and stuff like that and just doing dungeons and constant combat it's nice to have like a little oasis to go and just chill out for a little bit and that's what i love about these modes in gran turismo is um you know when i'm when my hands are just in pain and i'm icing them because i've been like clutching my triggers for three hours straight uh i can just go into like the photo mode and pick some nice landscapes and just spend like fuck loads of time just positioning the camera and adjusting the lighting um and yeah so i mean the game really has the whole package uh I platinum of platinum did of course. Um, yeah, it's it's just like CJ said, dog like it, got startled and kicked the kicked the desk. <laughs> like CJ said, it just really makes you appreciate um, the. And I'm like not. I don't give a like. I buy my car and I drive it. I'm not like a car person in real life, but in this game, I'm really interested in like the passion. I like hearing the stories about like the people who like put all this time and creativity and energy into creating these like really beautiful elegant work they are works of art um especially from an aesthetic point of view um so yeah it's just it's something that really makes you appreciate the form and it's uh it's one of the best racing games ever made for sure derek now we're down to you buddy yeah so i'll 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 finish this up here so uh my runner-up for game of the year was elden ring uh elden ring was a big one for me this year uh i think that in the grand scheme of things, kind of like like John, well, a- almost a reverse of John, um, because like Hard Space Shipbreaker definitely deserved to be my personal game of the year, but I feel like Elden Ring is the game that defined 2022 it really in so did. many ways. Yeah, uh, that was the best time on Twitter was when there was, everybody was there playing was a, Elden Ring. A period no of time, there was a period of time where Elden Ring was the only game that existed in fact yeah, it, was the, was it was the only piece of pop culture that existed for a period of time and that's that's impressive that's like pokemon go levels of you took over the internet for a while um i think it was fantastic because like look i'm souls trash right the the last time i had an unhealthy relationship with like staying up too long to play a game was the launch of the original Dark Souls. I ended up staying up and playing that game for 36 hours straight. My um, buddy. It was not a good choice. No, don't <laughs> encourage it. I've never done that since. Um, it's, what you're saying can't. is do that. Isn't don't. the game not even that long? <laughs> well, I I needed to start over with a new character build because I fucked up real oh, bad. Oh, yeah. Well, like, okay, like, like, yeah. like 10, 12 hours into the game. Uh, <laughs> I was just like, this, I was like, this is not working for me. Um, anyway, but so like, Elden Ring was always going to be a big one for me because I love the Dark Souls games. Uh, I love I love the Dark Souls games like to the point where I'm actually not a big Bloodborne fan because I like Dark Souls. Um, but I think what's really important to me about Elden Ring is the way that it 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 influenced people 
to actually interrogate what it was that they liked about Elden Ring and what it was that felt different. I saw people who were usually not very good at communicating these sorts of things, talking on Twitter, talking in real life, texting me, talking about like, I really like how the map feels very naturalistic, right? And I don't have icons and checklists of side quests and collectible things and collect 13 pages of the constitution in this district like bullshit. Like the Assassin's Creed shit was gone. Instead, you had a map and the geography of the map and the layout of buildings and ruins and, and natural geographic features created a a naturally interesting like places for you to check out and find things to do. Uh, and that that seeing people not only was like cool to experience, but seeing people recognize that and be able to explain that dynamic was so cool for me uh, in an industry where like, let's be honest, most people who talk about video games are really fucking stupid. Uh, and they can't explain a goddamn thing about video games. Most except gamers. Why do we have a podcast then? Well, for us, because, for the exception. Well, we're we know we're not the smartest people around. Like, and we're also pretty measured <gasps> usually. I know. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Like the we're, only thing we know how to talk about is video games. I mean, the other I ones know. fine, but Derek, yeah. me. Like that's the only, that's the thing we all know how to talk about video games. Yeah. Like you know, what I'm saying it's a lot. It's a lot harder for most people to communicate like what makes a game good or bad. That well, yeah, yeah, yeah. well, I don't know what the fuck I'm trying to say. But, like, I'll just say the vast majority of people are really bad about talking about this kind of shit. Um, and it was really cool to see that change because of Elden Ring. And I really hope that Elden Ring changes a lot about how future like game projects approach their open worlds. The, I don't want to see discussion was, was interesting. Cause like everyone was like, you know, the debate between God of War and Elden Ring has been like, was like for, but everyone talked about it again, like Elden Ring truly introduced something new to like the masses. I mean, yeah. Everyone who played breath of the wild or Metal Gear Solid five kind of already like knew what to expect. But even then, like this yeah. is the first time that this well, kind of is. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and I think breath of the wild, I like, it's a good example. Like, like, you know, that's a game that that changed the way a lot of people approached a, what was a very stale format of game. Um, so, you know, there's there's that. I, I've already spoken at length. We've all spoken at length about God of War Ragnarok, which is one of my honorable mentions. And we spent quite a bit of time on Kirby and the Forgotten Land. Uh, I just want to chime in with with Justin on Midnight Suns. I beat Midnight Suns recently. I rolled credits at about 42 hours. Uh, incredible game. Lots of good Bioware energy in this Fire Axis game. Uh, it's nowhere near as difficult as the XCOM games. It's it 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 measures and and adjusts its difficulty like it level scales to where you are, so that you never feel like you need to grind. Like you can grind, you can get more shit. It's just going to get harder. Um, to to and that's a difficult balancing act. But I feel like Fire Axis really nailed it. Uh, at no point did I feel like that difficulty curve was too much. And there's a lot of love for the comics in there and a lot of love for the comics that felt independent from the popularity of the MCU. Like, like they didn't pick their roster because of Marvel movies and they didn't portray characters the way they were in movies necessarily. They, they looked to the comics for inspiration with the exception of Wolverine not being a short King. I'm getting real tired of tall Wolverine. Um, <laughs> It's we Same. only accept we Same. only accept short so Wolverine. What, five two. He's five he's four like in the five, comics. Four, yeah, We're never going to get a five four Wolverine in movies. <laughs> no, That's not, not going to happen. But if you give me somebody who's under six feet, I'll be happy. But Wolverine was like the tallest person on the cast that wasn't Hulk. And that was just so weird to me. It's not acceptable. So 
But uh, but yeah, them's, them's that's my why picks. it's just an honorable mention, right? If 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 Wolverine had been a, a foot shorter, game of the comic year, accurate, easy. Co- comic accurate Wolverine. <laughs> yeah. That's all I needed. If if Wolverine had been a foot shorter and had like a Canadian accent instead of being like the the generic Steve Bloom, uh, I don't know. Steve Bloom could be Canadian. I don't know. He's kind of putting funny on how, like Hugh Jackman fucked up like decades. Yeah. of like everyone yeah. thinks Professor X is British because of of. Uh, uh, Patrick Stewart. Yes. So I, I just, I try not to be a comic nerd about shit, but I am. <laughs> so, um, but that's, that's our game of the year show. Many good picks. Well, a lot of variety in our done. picks. Well done. So, indeed. Shout out to all of, of us. War, but no everybody else. Yeah. Elden ring for top spot. Y'all the real MVPs. I've look, I mean, look, I, no, I'm not, I'm not. I'm yeah. It was my runner-up, damn it. That was bait, Derek, and you didn't take it. Anyway. I, tr- I, I bit my tongue. So in summary, shout out to The Quiet Man. Shout out to, shout out to The Quiet Man. Shout, shout out to Alan. Babylon's Fall. Yep. Shout- yeah. Yo, Babylon's Fall actually came out in 2022, so that's SCGC's And it's about to get erased forever in like three shout weeks. Shout out to Battle Tanks, the actual true MVP of the year. Shout out to Rampage <laughs> for the greatest <laughs> loading screen. <laughs> <laughs> moving on, loading we, screen. We, we need all the accolades. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to Kirby's Air Ride. The, the reason that Brit will yeah. never get high again. Um. <laughs> Shout never, out to us discovering Twisted play. Metal Black is a bad I, game. Uh, so most uh, of the games that we played were bad to be fair that's true that's true like we like we had a big awakening about our childhood and it did not uh-huh. feel great i tried to pick <laughs> a lot of shit and it was not a good time so no. oops, but the real best game of the year was crossfire x for the xbox series uh with the, uh, with, i wouldn't I know i'd love to play the campaign but they didn't no, put it on with fucking the, pc with the, with the dramatic version of x gonna give it to you by yeah, dmx right, playing in the trailer right. yes. uh, <laughs> ben i absolutely thought you were gonna say duck game yeah, uh, Duck also Game that. is the greatest game of any that's, year. That's the the, the game uh, of all years. And also maybe one day one of you, just one, could actually beat me in a round of Duck Game, but it certainly wasn't this year. It's brutal. Well, it wasn't. It definitely. I, it's not going to be me. Although I'm going to text everyone in the the group chat that I have separate from Finn. We're not going to invite him to uh, next year's charity. Finn, this I, year's charity you, I, Finn, I challenge you to a match of real life Duck Game. Okay, he's done. Duck fighting. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking grenades and just John's John's just gonna pull out a a fucking revolver and shoot a duck. (laughs) (laughs) I assumed it was me and John would be dressed as ducks. That too, beating each other with bats. Finn in the real life duck game. That's just gang beef. We are the ducks. Also, uh, shout out to Mario Party too. Yeah. Don't do yeah. All right. John, may I may I bring it home? Yes, Can I bring please. it home? God, All right. And the, and the Folks, uh this was this was lovely. It was good to talk about all of our favorite games of last year. We have an exciting year ahead of us. Yes, we do. Uh, many, 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 many big releases coming, but maybe, just maybe, the real game of the year was the friends we made along the way. Yes. Hell yeah. That's the one time I'm not going to ding you for that. I want to give a quick shout out to myself because I was first in our fantasy critic for like two days. Um, so <laughs> congratulations to me. Hey, Forspoken could do Brit, it. Who was second to last. Um, last, uh, last fantasy yeah. critic. So. And John, who was in last. Woo! Well, that's because John doesn't know anything I, about video games. Well, <laughs> you know sometimes in life, sometimes in life, to to be first, you have to come in last. So well, sure, I, I, I just want to say that golf rules. 
I just want to say that I did win our league. Thanks, Justin. Hell yeah, man. (laughs) Folks, just remember, kindness costs nothing. Yeah, Justin. But roasting the homies is also free. Night, everybody. I don't want to be a homie anymore.